You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show airing on the Versus Network. I am your host, Aaron Martin. So great to be here. Over the next hour, we will be speaking with not just one, but three BASS elite pro anglers. Those are as follows. Greg Hackney, Terry Seagraves, and Chris Lane. In addition, we also have Adam Heindorf from the MegaWare Keelguard Company to talk specifically about the Skeg Pro. I will also announce the winner of our weekly product giveaway, as well as tell you how to get on get in rather on this action. Man, guys, if you have not done this, make sure to really tune in for that because there is some neat stuff happening there. Also, we've started something new as we go to the mailbag. Uh, we've been just getting a lot of emails, uh, great, great things that have been sent in uh, by our listeners. And so we are going to start answering some of those questions on air, um, not just myself, but we're going to put that out to the entire pro staff and get some opinions so that we can all uh, learn on the great things that you guys are bringing to the table. But first, I need to pause for a short break, and when we get back, we are going to be speaking with Greg, Terry, and Chris. It's going to be a great show, so hang with us. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back. Recently, Bass Edge had a reception of which there was, um, I would say, 20 to 25 of the elite anglers at, and it was um, in order to kick off the first season of Bass Edge, and it was a great time. Uh, The guys uh, just were fantastic, and we had the opportunity to speak with a lot of those anglers. So with that being said, we pulled some of them aside just to get, you know, some short uh, five to seven minutes to talk about specific techniques that they could share with you guys. Let's get right to the interviews with Greg Hackney, Terry Seagraves, and Chris Lane. Terry, just wanted to thank you for taking the opportunity to, to talk with, uh, with Bass Edge. Um, one of the things I'm always intrigued about is individuals' personal stories of how they even got introduced to the sport of fishing. Well, I guess, you know, you always have a burning desire to do this when you when you first introduced to it. I guess I got introduced to it through my uncles through catfishing and so back in North Carolina. And it's something I always wanted to do. I've always really loved being on the water and it just took off from there. I, you know, that's all I ever wanted to do is be on the water doing uh, something on the water. If it's collecting rocks or uh, arrowheads, which I grew up in Indiana, arrowheads along the, the Ohio River. But I really love the fishing, and I love the aspect of going out and figuring out a fish on new water and putting everything together. So how did you take that, that skill or that passion and then wind up 
fishing the Bassmasters Elite? A lot of time on the water. <laughs> and a lot of time in front of the TV watching all the tournaments that came on TV. Uh, I sat there and I watched the tournaments. I said, I can do that. I can do that. I finally, uh, and back in uh, the early 80s, I finally got a chance to move to Florida where all the big fish are and a lot of grass and a lot of the warm weather. And I went down there and I really got into it and uh, really worked hard down there and, and done well with it. Is there a particular uh, structure or type of cover that you, that you like to fish? I love grass. Okay. Uh, being from Florida, you've got to love grass. But, you know, grass is a, is a really an intimidating factor, especially with people that are not familiar with it. Yes. When you go to a big body of water like Okeechobee or even uh, a lot of the lakes up in the Midwest has got a lot of grass. We just fish Potomac River. You go in, you see this big mass of grass patch, and, and really it intimidates a lot of people, but it's just not any different than fishing a shoreline or, or a, a, a point or anything like that. you just got to break it down, and it really intimidates a lot of people. But once you learn the key areas and how to break it down, it's really a lot simpler. Elaborate a little bit on... I'm a new angler. I'm coming into a lake that has grass. Uh, maybe I'm not familiar with grass, not familiar with a lake. Where is a good starting point with grass and lures to boat position? Well, in grass, you know, soft plastics are probably one of the key areas. But if, I, if I'm telling somebody to go look at grass, and I tell people to not just pull into a cove and just get in the middle of the grass, pull back off. And look at that grass patch, how it forms and so forth, because it's not any different than a shoreline. You've got points that comes out in grass. You've got voids in that grass. You've got thinner places. You've got heavier places. And you've got to break it down. So instead of getting in the middle of the grass and getting all confused with what's around your boat, trying to figure out what's, you know, try to fish within 25, foot, 50 foot of your boat, is a back off of that grass line. Take a look at it from a bigger perspective and see what you've got and then start breaking it down. Many times in Okeechobee, I've looked at that, you know, I've come along a, a stretch of grass that I've been fishing, I've been fishing, and start catching fish. And when I started backing off, I said, I looked there, and all of a sudden you got a, a point that comes out or something. You didn't see that when you are on top of it. But when you back off of that, you look at those points and those voids in it, and you say, okay, that's the reason those fish were there. So it almost sounds as if the, the patches of grass are, is uh, a lake or a structure within, within itself. It's, it's a structure within in itself, that's right particular baits when you say soft plastics uh, you know weight line how do you match well, there's a lot of different ways to fish grass you know if you get in a big bay with a lot of grass it's probably you know you got about two or three foot of water on top of the grass the new grass is coming up mostly in the springtime you know your soft plastics like your soft uh, jerk baits or your your flukes or your sinkos or a worm is probably my specialty on uh, in that type of situation a worm with probably about an eighth ounce to a quarter ounce weight fishnet ribbon tail worm uh, is just awesome in that situation but there's a lot of different ways to fish grass you know in florida we get to the summertime and just like uh, recently uh, uh, kelly jordan just won a, a tournament at potomac river and what he concentrated on was the heavy mats and he was taking an ounce to a two ounce weight flipping in those heavy mats and getting into that dense heavy stuff where the fish were in during the hot summer months and that's what uh, a lot of people do in florida it's, it's really a good uh, good technique so the, the heavy weight obviously gets through the mat. To it penetrates down. you, you got all that matted uh, 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 mat on top of the water. That stuff grows up and just goes over. And you got to penetrate that to get down to some of that open water underneath it. Talk a little bit about line. Uh, you know, monofilament versus fluorocarbon versus braid. 
what, what's the choice? I guess I'm still an old school. I like the mono, but there are situations for braid. And you, when we were just talking about the flipping the heavy mats, uh, that is a braid situation because actually when you set the hook on that fish, you need something that will hold that fish. And usually about 65-pound braid is what I use. And what you do is put that, put that fish's head up in that, that mat, and then you go dig him out. You don't try to pull him out. So braid is an ideal situation. But worm fishing, uh, usually 15, 20-pound test line. Uh, mono is usually what I use. And then on the weight for the worm, some, you know, lean more towards regular lead or tungsten or? I do a little combination of both. Uh, mostly on the worm fishing, I still use, uh, you know, probably lead uh, sinkers. But the weight size is pretty critical. My firm belief is that you use the smallest weight that you can possibly get away with. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes uh, uh, you can't use heavier weights, but generally the smaller the weight, the, small, you know, the better. Reason for using the, the smaller weight? It's just a weight. little bit different presentation. Now, there are some situations in grass, which is pretty critical, that you've got to use a little bit heavier weight. It may not make sense, but sometimes the grass, the top of the grass is here, and the fish are down here sometimes. And you, and you come across some voids in that grass, and with a lighter weight, that, that weight won't get down into those voids where that, those fish are at. So sometimes you might have to go to, you know, in a situation where you might think uh, an eighth ounce might do it, you may want to go to a quarter ounce to get it down in to penetrate some of those holes in that grass. Good starting point for grass. Do you normally work your way in towards the thickest part, work the outside edges first? I usually work the outside edges first. Fish are going to be a little spooky in grass. Most of the time you're in a shallow water situation anyway. So I usually stay off, kind of work my way in, and then go from there. What about as far as... Uh, real gear ratio does that matter on no not too much not too much uh, usually about a five to one uh, sufficient you don't want it really a fast reel you don't really want a slow one but uh, a five to one usually is pretty good rod any particular length six and a half heavy duty you know when you set a fi- uh, catch a fish in grass usually you got a lot of grass coming with him so you got to have a rod that can handle it so you're not only holding the weight and the fighting of the fish but you have this immense amount of grass and you can have 50 pounds worth of grass sometimes so you got to have something to hold it so you literally you go you don't. Fish. You, you, that's right. Uh, I see so many people they'll hook a fish in that heavy grass and they start trying to pull him out. You can't do that. Just get on the trolling motor, hold your line tight, go get him, and go down and dig him out. How does that affect uh, the fish that's potentially around that area? When, when you're fishing grass, is there usually more than one? There's usually it? more. Yeah, a lot of times you'll find a little sandy spot that may have some fish in it. But in that flipping mat situation, you know, if you got a good fish, you got to go for him. It could be a lot of money. Sure. Terry, world of information. I sincerely appreciate your time. Thanks I enjoyed it. Thank you. Edge. Thank you. Greg Hackney. Yeah, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, I, you know, I was raised around fishing, so I didn't really know there was anything else, you know. Uh, my, my whole family fished. My grandparents, my mother and father, you know, uh, we fished for everything. I fished for bass, some, crappie, catfish, just whatever, you know. Uh, at a young age, I just fished for everything, and, uh, you know, I, I was raised in the country you know so there wasn't a lot of other things to do you know but hunting fish so that's kind of how i got started did was most of that through ponds and just small streams or did you go right to big waters and, and the big lakes uh probably uh probably a little bit of both uh, you know i was actually really fortunate i had a two acre pond right in front of uh, our house and i spent every afternoon fishing for bluegill or you know catfish or something in that pond and then on the weekends when my father was off of work you know he took me to the we went to the river and went to lakes and you know so i pretty well had a pretty good variety of everything growing up how did then that transition to your competitive role you know that, that started at a young age also uh, i was actually 11 when i fished my first tournament fished by myself it was a youth deal oh my. and uh and i'd been fishing every summer with my grandparents and uh 
in some small locks boats, and I would fish in one boat, and they would they would crappie fish in their boat, and I would bass fish in my boat. So I was the only, by, the only one there to fish by itself that day, but uh, and I didn't catch a fish. But that was just I don't know. It was I, I loved the bass fish, and then the competitive part, you know. Uh, and I I played uh, school sports, you know. I played baseball, football, and so I liked the competition, and I loved the fish, you know. So the two just kind of went hand in hand together. And you really started up to work your ranks up through the BFL, correct? Yeah, really. I, I started in the BFLs and uh, then qualified through the Everstarts through that and then on the FLW through the Everstarts, you know, and that, that's kind of the way all of my career has been. I'd fish one thing until it got to the end and then move to the next step. So words of wisdom to individuals that, you know, necessarily want to compete, but maybe they just want to be introduced to the sport. Where Where's a good starting point for them? You know, really, you know, that, that that's one thing. The the weekend-level tournaments are great now, much better even than they were when I started fishing. You know, I mean, they have, uh, like, for the guy that doesn't even own a boat, you know, they have the co-angler side. He can fish with the guy that owns a boat, learn from those guys, and then, you know, make that step over to, you know, fishing, you know, out of his own boat. I mean, there's there's so many tournament trails now, you know, that on the small and the weekend. You know, just set up perfect for the weekend guy. Saturdays and Sundays, you know, I mean, it, it's great right now for that. What gauge do you use to know when to step to the next level? You know, whether it be from the club to the weekend or... You know, I, I think that's all on an individual basis. You know, each guy kind of has to know that for his own. For me, uh, I started in the bass club, uh, fishing buddy tournaments with my father, big bass tournaments, that type of deal. And, and then I went on to the BFLs. You know, that was the first uh, draw tournament that I'd ever fished. You know, and then I just kind of... For me, I always had to make the qualify for that next level before I went to. You know, it was one of those deals like... Uh, it took me a couple of years, and I won the points in the BFLs. You know, and that, that builds your confidence. You know, you're the top guy in the state that year. And uh, then when I went to the All-American, I won a regional, went to the All-American. And that's also that same year I qualified for the Everstarts. It was the uh, the second year of the Everstarts. And I made the top 30 in the BFLs, qualified me for that. So I moved on to that. And then the first year, I finished like 15th in the Everstarts. And the next year, I won the points. So I felt like then I was ready to go on to so the you FLW. Feel like that those benchmarks are there for a reason. They, they were for me. I mean, definitely. You know, I, you know, I see guys out here that that jump too soon, and it really hurts them. You know, to go from say the weekend level all the way to the professional level and try to do that overnight. And I, I, I for me, it was a growing process. I feel like you need to mature as a fisherman before you do that to have longevity. You know, there, I, I've seen guys before jump and have a lot of success real quick, but in the long run, it seems to hurt. You know, to hurt. How long was that period of time from once, let's say, the Everstarts until you actually went to the FLW and the BASS? Uh, it was actually only a couple of years for, you know, from that time. But I had fished so much locally that I had a lot of knowledge, and it just it took me a couple of years there before I could start to apply that to other people's bodies of water. But even then, uh, you know, I have to commend you. You spent a lot of time being number one ranked angler in the world. Yeah, it's, it's been, ranking. you know, I, I've been blessed also. <laughs> you know, things have been good. And, you know, and I, I know they're not the same for everybody. For me, I've been really fortunate. You know, it seemed like things move faster for me than probably they have some other people. Well, and just watching your career in general, not only your, your fundamental skills, but also just your development with sponsors. And it, it seems like everything is just, you worked really hard to make sure you're hitting on all, all cylinders. Yeah, it, you know, it really helped. I, um, when I got into the sport, say the Everstarts, the FLWs, I really didn't, I was working. I, I was able to have a job that would allow me to be off to fish those and work also. So I, money wasn't, 
you know, I, I could make enough money at home to make sure I paid my bills. So I, I didn't concentrate on sponsors when I first got in. I concentrated on my fishing. And I think that was one reason that things, you know, when my fishing worked out, the sponsors fell right into place with that. And I, those two things go hand in hand. And I know it's different for a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, have to get that sponsorship first. So I, again, that goes back to an individual deal, you know, whatever your needs are. But my motto is that the fishing pole takes care of everything else. You know, I mean, if you catch fish, things seem to work out, you know, and I've been blessed and able to catch fish. So it's really been good for Let's me. Let's break down a technique real quick. I know you love flipping a jig. Give us some insight on starting out. How do you start to learn how to flip a jig? It's practices that you love to, to, to use it for. You know, uh, the, the funny thing about that, at, at one time I thought that was the only way to fish a jig was to flip it. You know, but now since I've been out all over the country, there's so many techniques. Uh, but, you know, I would say that's the backbone of my fishing is flipping a jig. When, I, when I'm not catching anything, I mean, that's my go-to deal. Because I feel confident, you know, if you get a couple bites, chances are there'll be quality. And my hookup ratio is really good with the jig. Um, you know, the biggest thing to start out with, I actually started out flipping with a 6.6. Six. At one time, that was a big rod. And then I graduated to a 7, and now I'm fishing an 8-foot rod now. But, uh, you know, so I, I think on, on rod selection, it's just whatever suits you. You know, depending on probably your age, how tall you are, that plays a big part in, you know, what rod length you use. Uh, line the same way. I started off with 20-pound test, thinking that was huge line. You know, now I'm using 65 and 80 to flip with. You know, I'm using braided line more. You know, so that's another thing that a lot of that's a confidence factor that you just have to get used to, to what you like. So I think, you know, a, a guy needs to get a good selection of everything. Rods, line, and experiment with it till he finds something that suits him. Uh, of course, jig weights for flipping, kind of the same deal. You know, I flip from a quarter ounce jig to an ounce and a quarter, you know, depending on the cover. And my, and my you say depending on the cover. Give us an, for, give us an application of the quarter ounce too. Uh, you know, the, I like the quarter ounce in cold water. Not necessarily really extreme shallow water, but just cold water in general. You'll What you'll do with a quarter ounce, even though the, the size may be the same as a half, uh, the quarter will slow your fishing down. So if I'm fishing deep with a quarter, I'm moving real slow. Because if I don't, I can't stay in contact with it. So that's one thing I like about a quarter ounce, say in cold water, not necessarily uh, cover oriented, but more just water uh, temp oriented. You know, and that slows my fishing down, whether it be shallow or deep, so I can stay in contact with that bait. Uh, as my bait size go up, normally, you know, I go to three eighths, a half, the water's a little warmer. I'm, I'm probably not punching thick cover. I'm fish, more fishing around boat docks, laydowns, that type of thing. Okay. And then as my jig size goes on up, normally I'm trying to get through something. If I'm using a three-quarter or bigger up to an ounce and a quarter, I'm trying to get through some matted grass, maybe standing timber, you know, and get a reaction fall down through that timber, that type of deal with the big jig. So in your mind, the jig is the most, one of the most versatile It's baits. by far the most versatile bait out there. You can fish it like a spinner bait. You can fit, you can slow roll it on cover like a crankbait. I mean, there's so many things you can do with a jig. You can fish it on the surface and burn it in. I can flip it. You know, it's just so many things you can do with a jig. It sounds like year-round, too. It is year-round. You know, and that, that's another thing about I fish rock. They make football heads. They make round heads. I mean, there's grass heads. There's a, there's a head and a size jig to fit every cover any part of the United States you go to. There's not a lake out there that a jig fish can't be caught. Greg, you've been a world of information. Not too often we get to visit with the number one ranked angler of the year, or I'm sorry, the uh, world angler of the year. So, uh, again, thanks so much. Thank you. And take care. Enjoyed it. Chris Lane. Well, I tell you, you know, it started when I was a wee little kid, you know, me and uh, I got two older brothers, Arnie and Bobby, which they fish uh, 
professionally now also and uh, my granddad and my dad would always take us out and my mom would get up at five o'clock in the morning take us down to my pit you know or to the pit we used to go to and you know my dad and grand my dad and my grandpa couldn't go but uh you know starting with them you know they, they've taken us every weekend and they started us in tournaments in young and uh you know we just went from there and you know here we are now 30 years later does, was that an added sense of pressure with having siblings and, and family members a, a part of the industry already? Well, I tell you, we have a real competitive family uh, in anything, cards or golf or fishing or whatever it is. But uh, when it comes down to fishing, you know, we want to see the other person succeed as much as we want to be there ourselves succeeding. And, uh, you know, I think that is, is something that you're not going to get from from you know other people other competitors or anything like that you get that from just you know your brothers and, and your dad and stuff like that so when you approach a tournament if, if you happen to be fishing at the same tournament share information or is it- uh, you, we do a little bit i mean as far as sharing information i mean the lakes that we're going to fish that we're fishing together i mean kind of give each other a heads up of what's going on but spots or anything like that not really it's pretty much you know they want to beat me just as bad as I want to beat them, but yet at the same time we want each other to do good. Mm-hmm. So, when, when you look at the, the sport of fishing, there's just so many things that, that goes into catching a bass, but yet we can make it as complex or simple as what we like. For individuals who really want to, to just go experience catching fish, what, what advice can you give them about getting started? You know, how, do, how do they do it? I tell you, you know, the number one thing is you got to be in an area where there's fish so that you can catch them and, and a lot of people go fishing and there's probably not any fish where they're at but uh you know if you're just getting started out you know go out there go out there to have fun don't go out there to catch fish you know and once you start having fun then you're going to start catching fish so you can't go out there with uh an attitude of it's kind of like golf you go out there and you want to hit them like tiger woods or phil mickelson or something like that, that's not going to happen you know you got to go out there enjoy the sport and then you know let it carry you from there technique uh that you like to fish uh, you know when you, there's there's so many different things from fishing a jig to crank baiting you know, <laughs> top water uh what, what are some of your strengths? Well, I tell you, top water is uh, something that we grew up on. Uh, my granddad, he ordered 550 devil horses from Bass Pro, and it said on the invoice, yes, this man wants this many, and that was 20 years ago. <laughs> so we threw devil horse, and, uh, you know, we threw a lot of top water baits, and one that I've really taken in uh, is that gambler cane toad, that top water toad that uh, is just a phenomenal bait for me. And, you know, like Denny Brower uses a jig, you know, I think that toad, if there's a place I can throw it, I'm going to throw it because it does catch big fish. And, you know, it proved in in my fishing, you know, and in my mind that I can catch fish on that and I can catch big fish on it to where Danny Brower can catch big fish on a jig, and he does all the time. So Applications for fishing. Uh, you know, you can catch them in, in open water if it's uh, if there's some submerged grass on the bottom or, or in heavy cover, as, as heavy as... Uh, lily pads that you can't even see water on um you can really fish that thing anywhere bring it over a lay down because uh it's it's as weedless as it can get and uh you can get uh good you know hook penetration on open water or in the lily pads a particular line that you like to use i do i use a uh, berkeley fire line 30 pound test you know getting into that heavy cover with uh you know that frog you got to get those fish out of there and having braided line with that you know not having any stretch on that stuff that berkeley fire line works real well for me 
when you're fishing the toad in heavy cover, is it normally a situation to where you're actually literally bringing the fish out, or do you have to go, actually go in and, and get the fish? Well, you can make the mistake of trying to bring them out and, and rip the hook out, or you know, you just have to kind of take each situation at hand. And you know, a lot of the times you do go in and get the fish, but the the number one thing on that is getting a, a hook in the fish when you're back and making those long casts and, and getting the hook in that fish. You know, you want to make sure you get good penetration, and that's where your braided line really comes in. Particular season for fishing that? Is it a year-round bait? Or? It's a year-round bait for me. It really is. Uh, I've all, I can always find fish shallow, and uh, nine times out of ten they're going to hit that frog. So that, that cane toad, that gambler cane toad, is just something that, you know, I, it's been proven to, for me to catch them pretty much anywhere I go. Chris, it's been a world of information. Sincerely appreciate your time. I'd love to stand here and talk with you all day, but I know you have a full schedule. So yes, thank sir. you very much for Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow, what great, great information. Thanks, Greg, Terry, and Chris for taking time out of your schedule to uh, to share your thoughts. And I know I can promise you I will certainly take some of that and, and try and improve my skills. So we have reached another point where we need to take just another quick break. And when we get back, we are not only going to announce this week's winner, but also if you haven't been getting involved in this, I'm going to spell out exactly what you need to do to get your name in the hat on the drawing. Also, I have lined up, again, that new segment to where we'll go to uh, some of the emails that have been sent in on questions, and we are going to answer a quick question. So it's we've got plenty more lined up where this has come from, so stick with us. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. We are back on the edge. Each week, we randomly draw a winner from the received entries for some great products provided by our sponsors. And we have reached that point in our show to where we are going to announce that winner. Now, first, let me tell you how to get involved and get registered uh, for these great prizes. All you need to do is send in an email to podcast at BassEdge.com with the subject line listed as product giveaway, as well as make sure that your name and address is within the body of the email so that we know where to send that out. Uh, so again, just send it out to podcast at BassEdge.com and you will be entered in. This week, um, we are going to draw another two winners. Uh, we've just had some amazing amounts of entries sent in, so we want to send out a little reward here the last couple of weeks, and we're going to draw two winners again this week. So our first one goes out all the way to Goleta, I think I said that right, California, to Don Pryor. Uh, so congratulations, Don. You are one of the winners. And the other one goes out to, and I'm going to butcher your name, so I apologize, Gary, but Gary Tafoya at Ypsilanti, Michigan. Congratulations, guys. You have won each a book by Jay McNamara that we had talked and featured last week the Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, and if you didn't get to tune that in, go back to last week, catch that episode, and you will see 
the value of what you are about to receive in the mail. So check that out. Now, each week what we do is we delete all the previous entries and start over. So the good news is there's no limit on the number of times that you can enter throughout the course of the year. However, I do ask that if you would just enter in one time per week, that keeps it a little easier on the administration end uh, here at Bass Edge. So again, make sure you send the email to podcast at BassEdge.com with product giveaway in the subject line along with your address. All right. Due to just a lot of great emails that we have been receiving concerning some questions, asking the pro staff, different things like that, we are adding a new section within the show to address listener questions to be answered by either myself or other pro staff members. Um, this is a great way, you know, oftentimes when we have questions, we keep them to ourselves, but the, a great way to learn is, you know, help us. Uh, help you guys figure out what we need to know, and chances are, I can promise you, I'm probably going to learn something in the meantime. So if you send us a question, we will automatically enter you into the weekly drawing, just kind of as a little token of our appreciation of help getting that uh, information out to everybody so that we can share kind of in the fishing knowledge. So please, if you have a question and you like answered, um, just simply send it to podcast at BassEdge.com. This week's question is from Dan Gentile concerning the type of rod. And I believe Dan was all the way out in Massachusetts. So thanks uh, thanks for tuning in, Dan. And what he says is, I love watching your show and viewing the website. However, can you tell me or give me some advice on what is the best action rod for all-around fishing? Is it a medium or medium heavy? Well, Dan, that is a great, great question. And I'm going to give you two, two replies to that, not trying to be evasive of the question. But first, if you have the financial budget, you know, I would certainly recommend having both. Because what I do is I use a 610 uh, medium heavy to throw a lot of jigs and plastics. And the medium action rod works great for throwing crankbaits and spinnerbaits. And what that allows to do, because the action, it keeps from pulling those hooks uh, out of out of the the uh, bass's mouth, as well as allows that action of that rod to really work with the fish and be able to cast, make um, good presentations to the fifth fish rather, um, due, you know, due to the stiffness. So anyway, I if I had to pick one though, I would strongly suggest maybe looking at your current style of fishing. You know, if you throw more crankbaits or throw more spinnerbaits than what you do plastics and a jig, and you only had the budget or only had the uh, ability to pick one then I would probably lean more towards the medium. However, if you throw more plastics and flip a jig a lot, um, then certainly you would want to lean more towards the medium heavy because that's the way that you're going to fish most. So both play an integral part in your fishing arsenal, but just try and look you know, as far as what you actually throw the most. So hopefully that answers your question. Dan, thanks so much for, for sending that in. And uh, you know, don't forget to send yours in. I need to take another quick break, and we will be right back with Adam Heindorf to talk about the Skeg Pro. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. All right, welcome back. Let's join Adam Heindorf of MegaWare Keelguard concerning a revolutionary product, the Skeg Pro. 
And I promise you, if you have not been introduced to this, it is one that everybody will want to take a look at. Let's get right to the interview. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Aaron. It's great to be here. You know, Adam, before we get into uh, specifically talking, you know, about just the Skeg Pro, MegaWare Keelguard has done such a great job of coming up with innovative products, you know, that help protect your boat. And, you know, you certainly get to travel all over the world uh, to be able to share with, with dealers and customers and also within the OEM market of how these products, you know, are utilized um, specifically in the boating industry, but also, you know, the importance that they play for bass fishermen. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys came up with with these great products? Well, it's funny that you should mention this. Um, Megawear Keelguard, we're dedicated to finding protection solutions for problems on boats. Um, the Keelguard is a great example. And then obviously another great area that gets a lot of abuse by boat owners is the, the lower skeg on the engine of a, of a boat, whether it be an inboard, outboard, or an outboard. Uh, whether it's being dragged up a boat ramp, hitting a rock on the fly, that is an area which is very susceptible to damage. And so looking at that, we, we saw an opportunity to solve a solution for boat owners and that is to find a way to protect that area of the boat. Well, and you bring up a, a very good point. I can't tell you how many times prior to, you know, the introduction and the invention of, of this product, you know, I would be pulling out of my, my garage with my boat, and, you know, in order to fit my boat in the garage, you've got to lower down the motor to be able to get the whole thing backed into it. But, you know, hook on and in our rush to get out and, and go fishing, you know, forget to raise the motor and, and put the motor toter on it. Or likewise at a tournament, you know, getting ready to, to leave, to head back home, had a long week of fishing and forget to trim that thing up. And often, you know, times I'm by myself and uh, it gets drug across that ramp. And, you know, it is expensive to go. I don't know if anybody's ever had to do this, but is it, it is expensive to go and get a skeg you know, replaced. And that's exactly what this addresses, correct? That's correct. Um, I mean, I like your point about how expensive it is to repair one. Not only is it expensive, but you never get full strength again because of the alloys they use. So that is the whole idea behind the Skeg Pro, is that it will not only help strengthen that area of the boat, but it will also become prevention against that type of damage being made out of stainless steel. It is much harder than the alloys used. So it's not just a quick fix. It will also give you prevention for future incidents that may occur. Well, and also, you know, when, when you're an angler, regardless if you compete in tournaments or not, you know, trying to find out and get to where those fish are um, is a huge concern. You know, you want to have, be able to have the confidence that you can put your boat and make cast where those fish are holding. And oftentimes, you know, we're going to areas that are just laden with stumps or rocks, or maybe you have to, you know, to go over a uh, an area that has been washed in, and so it's a little shallow. And, and trying to get that big motor to get the the boat back into that pocket, you know, it's it's not always about just forgetting to raise your motor. It's also going to provide protection, you know, while you, that boat is in operation. Absolutely, uh, you've you've hit it right on the head there. The fish don't hide out in the open. And one thing I know is, uh, fishermen have the passion to get in amongst that structure, and they also have the passion about their boats. That's their little baby. They love them. And that's why these protection products such as Skeg Pro are a great fit for the, for the bass fishermen or any fishermen. I grew up in Australia. We have the same problem. We've got to search for those fish and they are hidden in structure. And while you're running, while you're hunting for those fish, 
that um, you know that the skeg is susceptible to damage if you want to get in where the fish are. So the skeg pro helps you to, I guess, put your mind at ease so you're not going to do further damage to your little baby. Well, it's, it's it, I mean, that is a perfect example because it's the peace of mind. And it, if my mind is occupied by one less thing as far as having to wonder, well, am I going to be able to make it over into that area? Or, you know, am I going to have to worry about a breakdown? The worst thing that can happen for any angler is the weekend that they decide that they've got off from work and being able to go out and enjoy it with their friends or family members uh, to, you know, take on a weekend of angling. The last thing that you want to be doing out there is, is to have a breakdown. And that's where I think that this comes into play. Um, you know, the, the funny thing about it is this is really a do-it-yourself, can be a do-it-yourself installation. Talk a little bit about that. Well, a Skeg Pro takes only minutes to put on. It's designed just to be tapped into place over what you've got there, right as, it, as we speak now on your current, current Skeg, whether that's slightly worn or whether it's brand new. It has the easy ability just to tap on over it and basically slide over it like an envelope, tap it into place, one set screw, you just drill through your Skeg with one stainless and then set the stainless steel screw and you're on your way. Um, it takes, you know, merely five minutes to have that protection. Well, and it, and it holds the same theme that all your products do, and that's one of the things that I think MegaWare not only represents as far as quality and innovation, but just the ease of which, you know, that those can be applied, much like, you know, the keel guard of just taking less than, really less than an hour to put on. You know, Skeg Pro, again, with a rubber mallet, a screwdriver, and a drill bit, you know, within minutes, this thing is, is put on. Um, so, you know, I, I commend you guys for continuing to raise the bar on not only innovations, but also just of ease of installation. Uh, is there a motor out there that the Skeg Pro cannot be applied on? I mean, I know you guys have a, just a long list of products that, uh, that these Skeg Pros can be applied to. Sure, there are some very old, you know, very old models where the Skeg was very, very small. And some of the newer, smaller engines, we just don't make a model that fits those real small ones. But for the most part, we can fit most engines out there. Um, we have about 14 different sizes, and the list is always growing about what motors we can fit. Uh, if, we, if you do not see your motor listed on our website or any of our information that you have, we can, you can simply contact us. We'll give you a little sheet to fill in with five very simple measurements and then we'll be able to send you the model, which will almost be like a custom fit for your boat. You know, and, and then transitioning into, uh, I'm sure every bass angler out there right now is, is wondering, does this have, you know, a measurable difference um, or on performance? You know, does it affect how that motor or how that boat is going to perform with a Skeg Pro being installed on the motor? You'll notice no difference. Uh, we keep it, uh, you know, thick enough to protect, but not too thick to be obtrusive. And we have had no reports of any change to your original equipment performance. Yeah, I know. I certainly have, or any of the Bass Edge crew, um, you know, has certainly noticed absolutely no performance difference. You know, one of the other benefits to it that it probably did not, uh, was maybe it was or wasn't intended, but I certainly think it, it is of added value, and that is just in appearance, you know. I guess I'm assuming that's some sort of polished stainless steel or something like that, but it really gives, um, you know, aesthetics to the appearance of the motor. Yeah, a lot of guys, I mean, they love to, to put their chrome or their bling, as they call it yeah. nowadays, onto their trucks and even onto their engines. And this is made, the Skeg Pro is made from a highly polished, every one of them is mirror-polished 304 stainless steel. So when you put that in contrast against your engine with your stainless steel propeller, it really does make it look great.
Yeah, and it just adds to to the I think to the the effects of the motor. I've had more people come up and just say, "Man, what in the world? That looks neat. Is that on there just for the purpose of you know comparing it to almost putting chrome on your door handles or something?" But then once they actually look at it and see what it does, I mean, I can't tell you how many people just you know think that that is just a tremendous. Uh, innovation and you guys again continue to raise the bar what about as far as you know price ranges cost that would be associated with a skeg pro the, the skeg pro is available at 69.95 it's a uh, one one price for all sizes so you can get that protection that peace of mind for only 69.95 and i don't want to call that hype by saying only the latest sale 69.95 but when you consider what it costs to go and get one rewelded you might be at 150 dollars yeah, I know the last one that I had done, I think, was uh, right at $190 to do the yeah. repair on it. And, that's only as, as, and that repair is usually only as strong as your next hit. Right. And then you have to do it again. With the Skeg Pro, we're giving reinforced strength in the stainless steel. We've got better abrasive resistance if you drag it along concrete or in sand. And it's more of a permanent fix rather than uh, you know, a $190, $200 for a repair, which breaks the very next time. <laughs> well, and for someone like myself, and I know other anglers share this uh, sentiment, you know, we, we get rid of our boats normally at least every year or, say, every few years. And I take pride in being able to deliver a quality boat that's in, in good running condition to the next owner. And I know by having you know, products such as the keel guard that has protected the keel and then also the Skeg Pro, that they also then in turn receive that same peace of mind of knowing that, hey, you know, this has not been welded upon. We don't have to worry about the next hit, you know, potentially of that breaking off and, in, and incur more expenses. So I just I can't say enough about the Skate Pro. What about, Adam, as far as obviously they can go to BassEdge.com, uh, you know, through the e-store there. But you also have a wide array of dealer networks through some of the major retail uh, chains and then also the website. Tell us how that we can find you know more information out about the Skeg Pro. Well, the first stop would be www.keelguard.com. Just click on the link to Skeg Pro. It'll give you all that information. But it's also readily available from outlets such as Boaters World, West Marine, Bass Pro Stores, and uh, a lot of your main dealers will be able to get the product for you through their their distrib distributor if they don't have it on the shelf. They really are readily available if you just ask the question. Yeah, and, and you also have a toll-free telephone number that certainly that uh, users can call if they don't have Internet access. Yeah, please call us any time. That number is 1-800-929-9835. Hey, and real quickly before uh, we're about to run out of time, I don't know if you noticed, but... Uh, Pete Pons uh, in the Keelguard boat finished uh, 11th out at uh, Clear Lake uh, in California. So just, uh, again, a testament to not only quality products, but uh, that you put quality pro staff in place. So congratulations goes out to Pete as well. Adam, thanks so much for your time, and congratulations again on just providing anglers with another, another tremendous product. Thanks for being part of the edge. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, and with that, we are once again out of time, but I want to thank Greg Hackney, Terry Seagraves, Chris Lane, and Adam Heindorf for just some great information and making time for us. Next week, another great show. Dale Johnson from Tallahassee, Florida, as well as Randy Petsu from Gator Boats, along with another great product giveaway. For more cutting-edge information, visit our website at www.bassedge.com. Tune us in on the Versus Network every Wednesday and Sunday mornings. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to next week right here on The Edge. 
This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.